We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is going on, everybody? How you doing? What's up? Welcome to the future award-winning Talk of Buffalo podcast. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Very big thank you, as always, to everyone out there for downloading, supporting the show. Really, truly means a lot to me. Coming up in just a couple minutes, I'm going to have NFL insider Benjamin Albright with me. Ben's been on this podcast a couple times, and he's without question one of the most respected, popular NFL insiders in the game today. We're going to talk plenty of Buffalo Bills, and I'll say this. It's one thing to talk Buffalo Bills with the Buffalo media, and of course, they're obviously, or at least generally speaking, more locked in. But every now and then, I like to talk Bills with somebody from the outside somebody nationally to get a different perspective, a different insight. So that's what I'm going to do with Ben. We talk about the growth of Josh Allen. We talk about the defense. We talk about the priority of re-signing Matt Milano. Ben thinks that's very important. We talk about a couple of Denver Broncos. Ben covers the Broncos. If they would be potential free agent fits for the Bills, Von Miller, Philip Lindsay. Uh, we talk Buffalo Bills running backs, all kinds of stuff like that. And then also... We go around the league, and what I do is I make Ben a pretend general manager of several teams and ask him what he would do were he in charge when it comes to these teams and some of these crazy quarterback situations with some of these teams around the league. So all that, plus a fun fact finale with Ben. I'll have that for you in just a minute. Before that, though, I got some podcasting news, folks. Some podcasting news, some show news, whatever the hell you want to call it. So for the first three and a half years-ish of this podcast, nearly 300 episodes, I have been entirely on my own, this little indie brand. That's all Talking Buffalo Podcast has been. Me, and only me, and nobody else. Well now, as of now, that officially has changed. Late last week, I signed a deal to come on and be part of the Blue Wire Pods Network, and I've had a few opportunities. I've been exploring them recently, involving a few brands, a few networks, but ultimately, I'm landing on Blue Wire because, simply put, it's the best fit for me, and I did a lot of homework on this. I promise you that. I really did a lot of thinking, a lot of conversations, including speaking to a few uh, podcasting buddies and friends of mine that are actually with Blue Wire Pods. Uh, Tyler Dunn, everybody knows who Tyler Dunn is. Chris Van Vliet, 
If you're a wrestling guy, you definitely know who that is. And I also talked to uh, the boys at Rock Power Report. Very good podcast covering the Bills. And they're all with Blue Wire. And I feel really good about going forward with uh, with this brand, with this network. They're a growing team. They're doing some really good, exciting things in this podcasting world. And I hope to be a part of it. You know, a small part of their growth, small part of their success. So you're going to hear a couple things throughout the shows a little bit differently. A couple ads here and there. But so we're clear here. I want to make this really clear. From your end, absolutely nothing is changing. If you subscribe, you don't have to resubscribe. You don't have to go and find it on a different network. Uh, you don't have to search anywhere new. Uh, if anything, this podcast will actually be on more platforms now than it's ever been. And for now, at least anyway, I will continue having episodes every Tuesday and every Friday. But I will say this there is most definitely going to be some changes, some big changes coming soon to this entire venture that I like to call Talk Buffalo Podcast. Can't really get into the details quite yet, but I do promise you this. There's a lot of new stuff, a lot of new elements coming, and they're going to make this podcast bigger and better than ever before. I'm talking more episodes. I'm talking bonus episodes. I'm talking the implementation of video elements, lots of stuff. So please stay tuned. And I want to ask something of everyone right now. And then I'm going to get into uh, my chat with Ben. I don't generally like when I start a podcast having what we call a call to action. A call to action is when you ask people who are listening to subscribe, to follow you on Twitter, to like your Instagram page, to you know, search and subscribe on your YouTube channel, all that stuff. I don't like that, generally speaking. I prefer to just give you a quick intro, talk about my guest, anything else that's pertinent to this show, get into the interview. Then at the end, if you found value in it, that's when I go and I ask you to subscribe. But right now, I want to make sure everyone hears this. So in case they don't listen all the way to the last 30 seconds or so of this episode. All right. If you enjoy this podcast, if it brings some entertainment to you, some value, I'm asking you that you subscribe. Please subscribe. Take a quick minute to rate and review. Uh, Most importantly, above all else, help spread the word. Tell your friends, tell your buddies, tell your family. Share it on your social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it may be. That's the kind of stuff that's really going to help Talking Buffalo podcast, get to the next level. So please, if you haven't done so already, subscribe. All right? Now, (laughs) house cleaning done. Well, I do have a few other things that I want to hit on, but I'll do that at the end of the show. And I mean, the Buffalo Sabres are freaking horrible. Talk about that maybe a little bit later, again, at the end of the show. But as for right now, again, Ben Albright, one of my favorite guests, one of the most respected NFL insiders in the game. Some Bills talk, some NFL talk, fun finale. I'm done yapping my gums here at the top. Here it is, my chat with Benjamin Albright. All right, my guest today is an NFL reporter, analyst, talk show host, insider, Uh, He's one of the most respected names and voices in the league. And by the way, I'll have you know this Buffalo Bills fans out there. He predicted the Buffalo Bills would get to the AFC Championship game long before anyone else I know did out there. Benjamin Albright, what's going on? How you doing, Ben? Hey, doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. It's always a thrill for me to be able to have you on the podcast, Ben. And again, big props to you. You are quite literally the only person that I know from a national perspective anyway, that picked the Buffalo Bills to go to the AFC Championship game before the season even started. And we'll talk some Buffalo Bills. We're going to talk some NFL. I'm going to put you kind of in the the general manager role for a bunch of teams in their quarterback situations. We'll hit on that. We'll do the fun fact finale. But before that, I, I got to ask you this to start. What is it about the Buffalo Bills or what did you see, I should say, in the Buffalo Bills that led you to think, that this could be a team that's going to go all the way to the AFC Championship game. 
Well, they had a really, really solid defense, uh, and that's that's to start. And, you know, and then you had a, a, an offense that had had two, three years of continuity, and typically that's what happens. If you can keep an offense, a system, a scheme, a quarterback, and all that together for about two, three years, you tend to see a, an explosion in year three. And, uh, you know, the Bills kind of had, had teetered on that a little bit the season before, but really started putting it to it, um, you know, this past season. So, you know, in the preseason, I, I always put out all my, you know, all my predictions or whatever, and uh, anything I get wrong, you know, we donate to charity. So uh, the Bills, uh, you know, I, I guess it's good good for Bills fans as uh, as they got to the AFC Championship game, but uh, it was bad for the charity as uh, uh, they didn't get the little extra money there. So, <laughs> Before we talk more specifically about Bills, by the way, I, I do want to thank you. And let me say this. I know you do a lot of podcasts when you have the opportunity to, and they're just like a drop in the bucket for you. You know what I'm saying? But for me, you were all the way, this is episode 299, all right? You were first on this episode, or, uh, this podcast, all the way back, episode 13. And that really helped me establish some street cred beyond the local Buffalo scene because not long after I had you on, I went on to get uh, Richard Deitch and Jenny Ventress, Adam Kaplan, ultimately Adam Schefter. And that was all over like those next 10 episodes. So I just want to let you know, because again, sometimes people take it for granted when names come on their podcast, but you know, you did a lot for me just by appearing on before. So I, I just wanted to make sure that I had the opportunity to, to thank you for that. It meant a lot. Still no, I'm, I'm just some guy. I'm glad you got, uh, you got those real names on there. I, you know, I'm, I'm the warm up act at the comedy show, you know? So it's, uh... <laughs> all right. Uh, one more thing too, before we talk bills, this is your profession. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to just spend a minute or two talking about COVID and like how it's affected your job professionally. It's been a full year now. Like what's had to change with your job, like how you approach covering sports, your contacts, you know, your access to be able to get into things, stuff like that. How's uh, how's that adjustment been for somebody like yourself? Well, I mean, for me personally, it's it's been a bit of an adjustment. So much of what I do is, you know, it's just chatting with people, schmoozing, grabbing dinner, you know, some drinks, things like that. And, you know, it's uh, not able to do that in the COVID era. So it's, it's, it's been a lot different, um, you know, and that, that kind of that personal touch, I guess, that I have with uh, with acquiring information and those kinds of things, um, you know, it's been difficult. Uh, it's, it's been a lot, a lot more difficult. This is one of those years where I know, you know, less than, less than usual. Um, but you know, the, the good relationships that you've built up over time, uh, you, you've still got those and, you know, you, you, you try to do what you can and help those people out, have them help you out and, and go from there. But, uh, you know, I think uh, I can get back in the locker room and, and, and being able to get back out to dinner and, and all that kind of stuff. That'll help a guy like me out. So, you know, looking forward to the day when we can do that. Well, I'll tell you what, and I want people, I want to reference that 13th episode I did. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. We had spent, this was in 2018 and I had you on roughly a week or so before the draft. And we spent a lot of time talking quarterbacks and more specifically, Josh Allen. Now I'm going to give you a lot of credit because again, you said, and I'm quoting this pretty much word for word. You said on the podcast, and this was before the draft that the bills were aggressively pursuing a trade up and that their target was Josh Allen. I've played that clip many times. I don't have it with me today, but anyway, so you saw that coming. So Josh Allen going to the bills three years ago, wasn't a big surprise, at least not to you anyway, but at the time yourself and I would say the vast majority of analysts and people out there who study these guys didn't have a high grade on them and didn't think all that much of them as an NFL prospect. What about Josh Allen and his progress over the first three years of his career? And more, I mean, obviously last year being the biggest jump, what surprised you the most about him now as opposed to what you saw from him maybe? three years or so ago, right before he came into the league? Well, first of all, I think that there's a bit of a misnomer there because saying that people didn't have a high grade. I mean, he went in the first round, so obviously people had a high grade on him. But, uh, they, you know, there, there were there were people that were worried about his ability to uh, progress, to be effective and efficient enough at the NFL level. And that was the thing. I mean, I you know, he played college ball just up the road here, about 90 minutes up the road here at Laramie, Wyoming. And uh, so I had a chance to see him quite a bit, um, you know, in college. And, you know, he, Josh had all the tools in the world. The question was really was, could he put it together on an, an efficient per play basis? And, 
you know, when he was at Wyoming, didn't really have the offensive line and the receivers. Uh, you know, he got to the pro game and the Buffalo Bills. And in the beginning, he really didn't have the, the, the offensive line and the receivers there either. Uh, but I think it's a testament to continuity. I think it's a testament to patience. You know, so often today with anything, uh, we don't really have a lot of patience. The Buffalo Bills sticking with an offensive coordinator and a quarterback for three straight seasons. Uh, that's, that's almost unheard of, you know. And so yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, I think that that is that is a part of it i think josh just kind of grew into his tools you know i think he was a guy that just needed somebody to to give him the protection give him the kinds of guys that uh, that that are that he needs to play with um you know and if you look back at the receivers he had early a bunch of those little pinball receivers you know um when once he got a contested catch guy like stefan diggs you know he really took off and so if you can get him the protection, you can get him guys he can get the ball to, you know, I think that, uh, I think he showed um, a, a lot for, you know, that organization having that faith in him and sticking with him, even though the first two seasons weren't all that great. All right. So last year, Josh Allen puts it all together at a level. No one really saw coming. Well, especially no one outside of Buffalo people, especially from a national perspective. I don't think anyone really saw it coming. Fantastic gear, magical year ends up finishing second an MVP balloting behind only the winner, Aaron Rodgers. Again, just a magical season. I hear a lot of people saying that Josh Allen still has room to grow and that he's still ascending. That's certainly, you know, something that could be debated. But that aside, like even if he never ascends anymore and he plays at the level that he did right now, like was 2020 just the start of a, magical run and is he going to be one of those quarterbacks you think who plays at this level for a very long time or do you think that maybe he falls off there's been some quarterbacks who have had MVP caliber seasons for a year you think they're going to be the next big thing then they fall off relatively quickly when it comes to Josh Allen the way he played last year is that sustainable well, they're going to have to get a run game at some point to protect him uh, because the, the, the style they're playing right now is kind of reminiscent of what's going on in Pittsburgh. And, and if you look over there, Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball you know, 650 times a season, that, that's not sustainable long-term. You'll take too many hits. Even with the big body like what Josh has, you're going to take too many hits. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And it just ding you up over time. And so you've got to have a run game to be able to take the pressure off. And a run game that's consistent and effective enough that you can lean on it when you need to. Um, and so I, I think that Josh's statistical performance and his his playability are sustainable. Uh, but I'm saying long term for his career, they do need to run the ball more, run the ball more effectively, um, you know, in an effort just to take some of those, take some of those hits off him. Cause you know, every time you you go in, you take an NFL hit, it's like it's it's like being in a car crash, you know? Yeah. And so if you got a quarter quarterback is dropping back 35 times a game and then he's scrambling 10 times against 45 car crashes in four hours. Sorry, but that's going to take its toll on people. So, yeah. you know, I think that's, I think that's the one thing that they need to pay attention to. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. You talked about running back. What do you make of the Buffalo Bills running back situation right now? Because you have two young guys in Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. 
Last year as a rookie, I think Zach Moss started a little slow, was injured, showed some promise, got injured again uh, at the end of the season, which I think might have hurt Buffalo in that game against Kansas City. And then you have Devin Singletary, who I thought was fantastic as a rookie, but kind of seemed to fall off last year. Maybe not so much statistically, like if you look at yards per carry and stuff like that, but just on a whole, it doesn't seem like Bill's brass has a lot of trust in this guy either. So you have two guys who they've taken in the third round and back-to-back drafts. What do you think they might do during this offseason to address it? Now, Brandon B. did say in his offseason press conference that the Bills don't necessarily need to run the football more, but they need to run it more effectively. Do you see the Bills dipping their toes into the free agent market, maybe look to sign a veteran running back? Do you see them addressing it yet again in the draft? I mean, they have to pick number 30. Yeah, 30. Uh, Travis Etienne, Harris from Alabama. If one of those two kids are there, do you see that happening? Like, how do you see the Bills running back situation playing out if they're going to add to that room? I, I think if they're looking at the draft, I don't think I'd be looking at free agent running backs. Just, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of spending a lot of money at the running back position. So I'd rather spend the draft capital and keep kind of churning and burning in that regard. It's just, uh, it allows you to spend the money on your roster and other places that you need to. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I probably would look at the draft. Um, I don't know how early I'd do it. Just that's that's an organizational philosophy thing. But you know, you kind of you kind of touched on it there. Singletary's just a guy, and you know, Zach Moss looks like he could be some, but he's probably like a second running back in a rotation. Uh, you know, not not necessarily a lead back. He doesn't really have home run ability. Um, and so, you know, I think you, I, I think you need to find somebody that, uh, that threatens defenses. Um, you know, I, maybe a Najee Harris, something like that. I don't know if you're going to be in position to draft him, but that'd be somebody that, that would, uh, I, I think that would help out somebody that can get you tough yardage. He knows can get you tough yardage, you know? And, uh, I think that anytime you can take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands on a QB sneak, it's one less hit he takes and, you know, put that in the hands of a running back that's designed to do it. And, you know, I think you'd be that much better. Quick left turn here because you covered his football team, so I wanted to ask you about him. A running back, Philip Lindsay, Denver Broncos, restricted free agent. Is he going to hit the market? If so, do you think that he's the kind of guy, the type of running back that the Buffalo Bills should show interest in? Well, I don't think so in that regard. Uh, you don't get anything out of Phil Lindsay you don't already have out of Isaiah McKenzie. Um, so, you know, speaking of former Broncos, I, I don't think – the thing about Lindsay is he doesn't catch the ball particularly well out of the backfield. Um, and he's an outside zone runner. He doesn't really run run inside zone that well. Um, and then, you know, he, he's so small, he can't, he doesn't hold up in pass pro. So, you know, he's, he's a home run dynamic threat, but he's probably more of a fit for somebody like San Francisco, uh, than he, that doesn't ask their backs to, you know, really hold up in pass protection than, uh, than somebody like Buffalo. Um, you know, anytime you got a, you got a running back who, and I'm, I'm being generous here, calling him five, seven, uh, and, and a buck 70 dripping wet. Um, you know, I, anytime you got that guy with, you know, Joey Bosa staring down the barrel, coming, coming at your quarterback and you're asking him to hold up against a guy that weighs a hundred pounds more than him. It's just not going to be, uh, it's just not going to be pleasant. So, you know, I think that's the problem is that, you know, here in Denver, they want, they, Pat Shermer needs running backs to catch the ball well out of the backfield and, and hold up and pass pro. And that's Melvin Gordon. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I think they're probably going to put an original round tender on Phil Lindsay because he's an RFA. Uh, they may put the second round tender on him, but I think they're going to go original round and just let him walk. All right. Now you mentioned Stefan Diggs a couple moments ago. We all knew he was a good player. We saw that in Minnesota, but were you surprised at how good he was with Buffalo in his first year? Because this is a guy who set NFL records. He had the most catches for the most yards on the first year with the new team in the history of the NFL. I mean, were you a little bit taken back by how effective he was and how good that instant chemistry was between him and Josh Allen, especially with no preseason? Well, the chemistry portion I was, Diggs' talent, no. Um, you know, Diggs was constantly seeing double teams. That helped free up Adam Thielen up there in Minnesota quite a bit. And, you know, I think um, – you know, I think the Vikings uh, uh, kind of whiffed on that one. Now, they've been really good at uh, identifying receiver talent over the last couple of years. You know, there was a stretch where the Pittsburgh Steelers were kind of the cream of the crop with identifying receiver talent in the league. And, you know, Minnesota's kind of kind of maybe snagged that snagged that title. You look at the guys they've got in recent years, guys like Diggs and Thielen, and then, of course, Jordan Jefferson. So, um, you know, I, I think ever, it's one of those rare situations where both those teams actually ended up winning. Um, you know, I, the, the, the Vikings got cheaper at the position and got Jordan Jefferson and don't really 
really get much of a talent drop off. And the, the Bills got the guy they desperately needed, a guy who can who can uh, do it all as a receiver and be a contested catch guy as well. And so, um, you know, as far as Diggs' talent, nah, not surprised. The chemistry, yeah, yeah, that surprised me a little bit with how quickly he, you know, he and Josh seemed to hit it off. But, uh, you know, I, I, it's it's one of those situations where you count your blessings and don't question it too much. As you look at the Buffalo Bills roster right now, as it stands, where do you see, if any, like glaring holes or weaknesses? Like, where do you see an upgrade that needs to come, whether it's a high draft pick, whether it's a, a significant free agent? They were rumored or reported, at least I should say, to be in on J.J. Watt. Of course, he ended up going to Arizona. Now, replacing a guy with someone equals one thing, like there's a good chance Matt Milano is going to leave. He's a, a nice part of the defense. You you maybe you want to try to sign someone to replace him or draft somebody high. But like when you look at this roster, whether it's maybe the offensive line or maybe it's improving the pass rush to get to that level. I mean, they did get to the AFC championship, but to realistically compete with Kansas City and possibly become the best team in the AFC, where do you think they need the most work at? Well, I think you mentioned it right there. It's the Matt Milano thing. You need to keep him. He's the heart and soul of that defense. It was noticeably different when he was out. Yeah. Um, you know, beyond him, I, you need a little help along the lines. The offensive line still needs a little bit of help. Defensive line could could use a little uh, a little bit of help. I, I think those are the main areas. Um, you know, I, I think that the the offensive line struggled to get push in some some situational football that it felt like they should have uh, otherwise gotten push on. And then, you know, defensively, that that defense. Um, relies on the front four getting at the quarterback and you know, the style of football they play is is reliant on those those four you don't want to be blitzing and so um you know if you have guys that aren't getting home or guys that aren't getting home often enough you need to upgrade the talent there so i, I would say that you guys need to go heavy along the lines in this draft when it all right let me ask you about a specific player that i know you're going to know well and fans have asked me to ask you this i hear a lot of interest among buffalo bills fans and fan circles at least anyway that they love to have von miller does he end up leaving Denver? If so, and if that did happen, do you think he'd be a good fit for the Buffalo Bills? Like, where are we at with Von Miller in Denver right now? And what do you think his future is? Well, Von Miller would be a good fit anywhere. I mean, he's Von Miller. Uh, yeah. But that said, um, you know, I... <laughs> I don't think he's leaving Denver. I, I think they're going to keep him here, um, at least for this season, whether they pick up his option or get something done long term. Uh, now that the legal stuff is, you know, is settled and no charges are being brought up and that's out of the way and, um, you know, and everything else, uh, I, I think he's I think he's going to be back here. Um, you know, yeah, he fit in well. Um, you know, he hasn't really played. A, he hasn't really played in a four man front in a while. Um, but, you know, Vic Fangio asks him to drop into coverage sometimes. And that's not really his game. You know, his game's getting after the quarterback. That's, that's where he's, you know, he's done most of his work and that's what he would be doing as a, you know, as an end there in Buffalo. So I think he'd have to go back to college since the last time he was in a four man front. I, I, there, there was a couple seasons, I think with Denver where he had a four man front, but most of the time he's, you know, he's been that 34 outside backer guy. So, um, you know, yeah, he would, he would be a fit. I don't know that he'd go to Buffalo. Um, to be honest with you, I, I think if it's not Denver, I think he wants to get home to Texas. So I, I think it'd either be Dallas or Houston, but, um, you know, that's, that's just me. Yeah. Well, I mean, if a player has his heart set on a certain organization or living in a certain state, something like that, that's different. But generally speaking, do you feel like, all right, so I feel like Buffalo has become, if it's not already, it is now a pretty good free agent destination. Like back in the day, like four, not even back in the day, four or five years ago, Ben, if we were having this conversation and we were talking about free agents coming to Buffalo Bills, I think we would conclude that one of two things, either a that player is getting paid significantly more money to come to Buffalo than anywhere else, or B that player is not really wanted by anywhere, anyone else. So it's either come to Buffalo and try to resurrect your career and go somewhere else to get a big payday or, you know, that's probably a wrap for your career. I think that's the way it used to be. I don't think that's the way it is anymore. I think players are going to want to start to come to Buffalo. This is a team that's winning first and foremost. It's a well-run organization. I think there's good management, good talent. I want, and it's easy for me to say because I'm talking from a Buffalo perspective. From your perspective, from a national perspective, do you feel like Buffalo is becoming or has become a good quality free agent destination? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And any, anytime you're winning, you are an attractive free agent destination. If you're winning and you got plenty of cap space, now those are uh, attractive reasons for for totally different things. Because if you're winning, uh, free agents will take a haircut to come win with you. Uh, and if, you, if you're flush with cash, free agents will pass on the winning to come cash a check with you. So that's the difference between a, a destination like, for instance, the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Buffalo Bills. Let me ask you one more question, and this is starting the transition into talking about the NFL. But for right now, it's Bills related, and that is the tight end position. So the Bills offense was very good last year. Again, Josh Allen finished second in MVP. Stephon Diggs had a historically great season. They scored a lot of points, gained a lot of yards, but they don't really have productive, consistent play from the tight end position. Some of these guys out there, whether it's Everett or Henry for the Chargers, Jonah Smith from Tennessee, are there any, maybe Kyle, or not maybe, Kyle Rudolph is out there now. Are there any tight ends that you think would be a really good fit that would help propel Josh Allen. I mean, we just spent a couple of minutes talking about his sustainability. Having a good tight end probably would help. Are there any of these tight ends that you think would be a good sound investment for Buffalo? Well, you want to look for an all-around kind of guy. Uh, based on the offense, you got to be able to block in. You got to be able to get open. Um, you know, I, I liked uh, Dawson Knox when he was healthy. I, I I liked him a lot. I you know I thought he was pretty good. Um, I you know you're looking for a second tight end. If it were me, I mean, you know, if I put my crazy general manager hat on and I'm Buffalo, I'm eyeballing trading up in the draft and going after Kyle Pitts just because he gives me a mismatch weapon there. He's not the greatest blocker in the world, but you know, adding a guy who's basically the new Jimmy Graham to that offense might make it um, unstoppable or at least uh, you know certainly on on par with Kansas City. So. You know, I, I, that, that's crazy, crazy me thinking outside the box. Is, it would, would be kind of looking at that. I, I don't know that I'd spend the money on free agent, you know, and pay A plus money for B plus talent at that point, especially not for somebody like washed up like Ertz or, or that kind of stuff. So while Knox is, he, he's, hasn't been exactly healthy his first couple of years and not the most consistent tight end, but you do, you're still very high on his talent and his ability then. Yeah, I, I am. I, I like him a lot. I think, you know, if he can just settle down a little bit and get a little bit more consistent, I, I think he could really be something. And, you know, and, and I think they're hoping he can grow into that. But, uh, you know, they want to hedge their bet. Well, I'll tell you what, you just said a second ago about putting your GM hat on. That's literally what we're going to do right now. Perfect segue. So I got a handful of football teams right now. And the scenario is going to be Benjamin Albright is the GM of that team. And I'm going to ask you what you think that they should do or what you would do if you were running that team. And let's start, well, let's start with the biggest one, Houston. What would you do right now if you're Houston's GM and you have Deshaun Watson, who's said many times he does not want to play there. The reports are that he's not even available for trade. What would you do right now? Well, if it were me, you would have never got to this point. Uh, if you got a decision to make between your team chaplain and your uh, star quarterback, well, we can find another chaplain. Uh, it's It's been real. So uh, yeah. I would have never got to that point. Now that it is at that point, I have those two gentlemen sit down in the same room and try to hash it out. And if they're unable to hash it out, then I'm working something out. Um, you know, then I'm like, OK, well, let's let's see what my options are. I don't think the Texans are going to trade Watson until after this season. They get their draft picks back next year. Uh, and I think if he sits, it doesn't bother them one way or the other because financially they'll actually save money. Um, so there's there's really no leverage from Watson, uh, you know, as far as that kind of stuff goes. So now all those things aside, um, if it were me, you know, I look at this and I, I call up Chicago and I say, hey, look. You know, Khalil Mack's got like a $26 million cap hit over there. Um, how about you uh, You send him and some draft picks my way. I send Deshaun Watson your way, and uh, maybe we can work something out. And so that that's probably the direction that um, that I would go with it, is, is we do something where we wound up with Khalil Mack, a bunch of draft picks, maybe another player, and, uh, and moved on from Deshaun Watson. We had a kind of a tank season. Um, and then, uh, you know, we got all these draft picks for next year to get the rebuild going. That sounds great. Do you think there is a realistic chance? Now, you're not the GM of that team. Do you think there's a realistic chance that he may just sit and, and they might just say, you know what? Well, then sit because we're not trading you. Well, if he does say he'll sit, they'll tell him to because it'll save him. It'll save them money. So uh, if he wants to cost himself money, that's up to him. That, that's, you know, his representation would be silly for letting him do that. Right. All right. Let's move over to Dallas right now. What would you do? You're the GM and you got Dak Prescott. As of now, anyway, no long-term deal. He's going to get $37 million or whatever it is as a franchise tag. What are you doing? Are you working really hard to sign him long-term? You think maybe it's time you trade him because he's not worth that money? Like, what are you thinking? 
Um, you know, I, I think that you basically at this point, you're going to have to tag him another year because you've gotten to that point. Unless you can get a long-term deal done here quick, you're going to have to tag him and, and go from there. And I think that's the direction that's headed. Um, you know, if I'm Dallas, I'm looking at the draft. Honestly, I'm, I'm seeing what's out there because we may not be able to re-sign Dak for the amount of money that he wants. And, you know, he, he let him hit free agency and, and, and go from there. Um, I, I think that, you know, you look at this thing and you say, well, uh, if we can't get it done, we've got a pretty decent team around him and all, all kinds of receivers. If we can find somebody who just can competently halfway throw the football. These receivers will take care of them. So uh, why don't we uh, why don't we go to the draft or free agency, look for somebody serviceable, go, go from there? Yeah, good point. And they do have the 10th pick of the draft. So even if they tag him in, they don't feel they're not going to be able to sign him beyond this year because after this year, I think it would cost like 40-something million to tag him next year, and that's not realistic. So, uh, yeah, good point. What about Seattle? What do you think uh, is going to happen with Russell Wilson, and what are you doing if you're the GM? Well, Russ is, you know, there's two, the contract and the dead cap hit would be absurd. They're not they're not moving him, and I, I don't think they're going to move him anyway. I think you just kind of give some some token lip service to Russ. You call him in for a meeting, ask him for some suggestions, thank him for the suggestions, and then and then go back to doing what you're trying to do. Uh, there's there's a, you know, the problem here is that they the Seahawks lucked into Russell Wilson. You know, Pete Carroll likes to play solid defense, run the ball, and uh, and have one of those little efficient quarterbacks that. Um, you know, it doesn't need a dynamic passer, just somebody can move the ball a little bit. And, you know, you go back and look at USC and the guys that he had there, you know, guys like, uh, Leinert and, you know, Barkley and Corp and Booty and all those guys, um, you know, it, it's really, and it was the direction they were going to go with Seattle with Matt Flynn and they lucked into Russ. So now you get this guy who, you know, by all accounts is going to end up being one of the top 20 quarterbacks of all time, future hall of famer. And he's worried about his legacy. They run the ball so much. He's, he doesn't feel like he gets the opportunity to really kind of shine and put up the stats he needs to put up and feels like he's been held back. And, you know, feels like that they haven't really put the offensive line around him to be able to compete either. And, you know, it's been a problem. So, you know, I think that uh, I, I think Russ has some things that he wants, but in the end he's locked into a contract. There's nothing he can do about it unless he's going to sit, which hurts his body bottom line numbers over the course of his career anyway. So I, I don't think anything's going to happen in Seattle. I think Russ is, uh, will be the quarterback. All right, let's move on to a team that might be a little more complicated. Chicago. What move are you making to get a quarterback if you're the GM of Chicago? And then this is kind of, like I said, these are turning into uh, two full questions. Like, what do you see happening? Well, I'd same thing that I said about Houston. I'd say, look, we got Khalil Mack. He's eating up a, a ton of cap space. We can't afford to, you know, to keep that guy. He's not the difference in us making the Super Bowl or not. So let's flip Khalil Mack and, and see what we can get. Um, we go fishing, see if we can get, uh, see if we can get a Sean Watson, see if it works. Okay. Um, what about Philadelphia? Okay. So do you feel comfortable enough if you're Philly's GM right now with Jalen Hurts going forward? Are you looking to bring in whether it may be a veteran free agent or? You're going to hit the draft again. Like what? I think they picked sixth. What's your uh, thoughts right now with Philly and Jalen Hurts? Depends on what quarterback's available for him there at six. Um, I would probably draft. I, I don't think I'd go the veteran route. Just I wasn't that, you know, everybody was all over Jalen Hurts. I, I didn't think he was all that great. Um, you know, you go back and you look at the tape and you see a guy who was like complete about 40 something percent of his passes, fumbled the ball a lot. Um, you know, there was a little bit of a spark just because it was somebody new in there. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, Looking at the tape, I, I didn't see anybody I'd be confident in. So I would definitely hedge my bet with Hertz, whether that's, you know, the draft or free agency. I think I'd go get Tyrod Taylor um, in free agency, and then I look at the draft and see what's available there. All right. What about we'll stay in their division? Washington, kind of the same deal. They got rid of Alex Smith. They got Taylor Eneke right now, but I'm not sure that they're sold on him as his future. So if you're the GM, what are you doing to, to supplement that position? Well, they're going to bring Kyle Allen back too. That's part of it. And they, you know, they like him a lot. I think I hedge my bet with, you know, somebody similar, um, you know, and, and, and look for a quarterback with similar uh, attributes. He's got some starts, maybe talk to Jacksonville and say, Hey, look, uh, Gardner Minshew, you guys are probably drafting somebody. What, what would it take to get him, bring him in and have an honest competition between Minshew and, um, you know, and Kyle Allen and, and Heineke and, you know, see what shakes out. Uh, I got two more teams here, both in the AFC East Buffalo Bills competitors. One of them is Miami, and uh, you got Tua. You got a ton of draft capital, lots of connections with Watson, but I think that's just all purely speculation at this point. But anyway, you get to have your GM hat on. Are you confident enough to roll with him or having, you know, picking as high as you are? Are you taking one of these rookies? Are you trying really hard to swing a trade for a veteran? Like, what are you doing with that? I think you 
you need to figure out if you're confident enough into it and go from there. Because if you're not, then you need to make every effort to go get somebody because where you're picking. Uh, and if you are, then you need to surround him with the pieces to make him successful. So uh, let's say for the sake of uh, arguments, they are confident in him. Uh, then you go in receiver probably early. Maybe Devonta Smith pair him back up with the quarterback he had at Alabama, and you you get your offensive coordinator to to get to it to start taking deep shots because you know he's kind of like the anti Drew Locke. Uh, Drew Locke never found the safe pass. He didn't want to pass up in favor of throwing it deep where, you know, through a tag of Iola never met the check down he didn't like. So, um, you know, I, th- I think if you could find some balance between the two of them there, I think that uh, uh, you could have something. You know what? I lied to you. I got a couple more based on what you just said. And one of them is the team that you covered, Denver. Very interested in that. What do you do with that quarterback position with Drew Locke? I could go and bring in a veteran uh, to compete with him. Um, might try to trade for Nick Foles out there in Chicago, that kind of thing. Um you know, and, and and I think they'll they'll run it back with him one more time and just see see if he can get it. Because uh, if it does, the light bulb finally does come on for him. Then you know, then you look like a genius. And if it doesn't, you're going to be so bad, you're going to be in position to draft at the top of the draft next year. What about the New England Patriots? They're obviously going to do something at the quarterback position. I can't see them just playing that and playing dead, kind of sort of like they did last year. I kind of feel like they're going to try to make some kind of move. Do you see them making some kind of move? You think they got the twelve well, yeah. draft? I don't know if that's going to be enough to get one of the top guys. What do you see? Yeah, that's. I mean, they're definitely after quarterbacks. Um, yeah, I think Cam Newton's like a fallback option for them. But I think uh, you look around at you know some of the other options that are out there, things that um, you know things that uh, uh, they could do. Trade up for Mac Jones, who they like. That's that's one possibility. Trade for Marcus Mariota, another guy they like. That's another possibility. Um, you know, Mariota may go to Chicago too. There's a couple of different different options there. So, um, you know, I, I think that's the direction they want to go. One of those two. I think if they don't wind up with either one of those, Cam Newton's kind of the fallback option. Okay, last team here, and we may as well just finish off the AFC East. And, and that's the New York Jets because this is a team I'm really fascinated with. So they have Sam Darnold. They have the second pick. And like lots of other teams, again, at least rumored, they've been connected to Watson. So if you're running this team, you could keep Darnold and you could trade the second pick. Obviously, someone is going to want to come up for Zach Wilson. If you're keeping Darnold, you could probably get a lot to build around him. I guess that comes down to how you feel about Sam Darnold as a player right now. Of course, you could trade Darnold and you could draft Zach Wilson. Or you can, again, make a, a trade and go on and get one of these big-time quarterbacks, potentially at least anyway. That's a tough decision. Like, What are you thinking when it comes to that? Well, I talked to somebody up there a couple of weeks back, back in January. And, you know, they said that, that ideally, if they could, if they believed in him, then the, the, the ideal situation would be run it back with Darnold, trade that draft pick down, multiply your picks and uh, and then work to address some of the other issues on that team. Uh, they're taking calls to see what they can get on Darnold, but that's still a possibility um, that they may run it back with him. Uh, if if not, you know, if they get the right package, then they may send Darnold on and, you know, and bring in, uh, bring on Zach Wilson. Uh, they would be in the Watson sweepstakes if he were available. But, you know, again, obviously he's not. So what's your opinion of Sam Darnold right now? I, I, and it's got to be tough to some extent because he's been on such a lousy football team. Like Josh Allen, you talked about it, the continuity, the talent that they've put around him. He's been well coached where the Jets have been a disaster. So is it too, is it unfair to put like, you know, too much of a read on how he's played to this point, or have you seen enough to know that, you know, I'm not sure this guy's the answer anywhere. Well, they hadn't put anything around him. He didn't have weapons. He didn't have protection, didn't have a run game. Um, he had a, you know, he had a guy that was uh, a head coach and an offensive coordinator that were like putting a boat anchor on a Ferrari. So, um, I, you know, I think that uh, you need to get him in the right situation. Yeah, you look at Ryan Tannehill when he got out from under Adam Gase and got the competent, yeah, uh, competent coaching. You saw what happened, and you know Sam Darnold has more talent than Ryan Tannehill. So I'd I'd love to see, um, you know, I'd love to see him get another shot somewhere else or or get a shot with a competent Jet staff and you know and and the new staff they've got there. You got probably five guys are going to be picked in the first round. Five quarterbacks coming up next month. You look back to 2018 again. Josh Allen's class. He had five quarterbacks in the first round. Uh, Darnold, Baker Mayfield. Josh Rosen, who simply hasn't panned out. Of course, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, who was NFL MVP just two years ago. Looking back three years ago now, uh, where, where do you see that class? Like, is this a, has this turned out to be a really good class? Like one of the better ones you've seen in a long time, or is it still kind of too early to write that book? 
I think it's still a little bit too early to write that book. Baker Mayfield looks like he might be something. We'll see. We need uh, need a little more time on him. Sam Darnold, we, we don't know the answer to that one yet. Uh, Josh Rosen looks like he isn't it. Um, Lamar Jackson has been dynamic athletically, but when put into situations where he's had to pass, has been unable to do it and, and kind of been a bust in the playoffs. Um, and then, you know, Allen uh, made an AFC championship. So, you know, I think that I think the book on that class is still a year or two from being written. Um, it looks it looks like there's two or three guys in there, but we'll uh, we'll know here in a year or two. Now, this is a Buffalo podcast, but don't be afraid to give me an honest answer. And I know you're not. If you could take those five guys right now and you had the first pick in your you could take any of them right now to, to start your franchise. Which of those five would you take? Well, again, the key is going to be the patience with Josh Allen, because if Josh had, had come here to Denver, you know, at pick number five or something like that, um, I, you know, he, I don't think he'd be the same player. In fact, I don't even think he'd be starting. Uh, they, the fans here just don't have the patience to develop a guy where Buffalo had, you know, three seasons that they were willing to commit to him. So if you've got three seasons you're willing to commit, then, then Josh is right there at the top. Um, and then after that, you, you probably go Baker. Um, and then someone between Darnold and Jackson, and then, you know, Rosen to be last. Um, you know, I, the Jackson thing, I, you know, he, it, it always bothered me because Russ Wilson deserved the MVP that year. And, um, yeah. you know, everybody gets, everybody gets fooled by the, the dynamic athleticism and they, they don't really pay attention to the situational football. And, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see with Lamar, but I, I think the jury's still a lot more out on him than people think. All right. So before I let you go, Ben, I always end this with, uh, interviews. I have a fun fact finale. I'm just going to ask you some random questions. Not a lot, not a lot of deep thought required. Whatever the first thing that pops in your mind, that'll be your answer. That's how we'll end it. Give fans a chance to know a little bit more about you beyond just the excellent work that you do. You good with that? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Your favorite all-time athlete. Mm, favorite all-time athlete, man, yep. that's a good question. Um, yeah, on basketball is probably Reggie Miller. Um, you know, skinny shooter. I was a little bit of a skinny shooter, so I always appreciated that coming up. <laughs> um, you know, football, I was a big Joe Montana fan coming up. So, um, and then, you know, as an adult, um, getting to know Steve Atwater, you know, Atwater was a hero of mine coming up and, you know, getting to know him as a person. He's even a, an even better person than he was a player. And so that that's pretty cool. Okay. Favorite city that you have visited? Oh man. Uh, in the entire world? Yeah, anywhere you've been to. What's like your favorite oh, Barcelona. city? Barcelona. Barcelona, Spain. Yeah, okay. that was great. Yeah. Okay. Who was, this might be hard for you, I don't know. Who was your first celebrity crush that you could remember growing up? or whatever? Topanga. Topanga. <laughs> that is such a popular answer, man. <laughs> That's a good one, too. All right, so you can't sleep. Uh, you're restless. You get up. You, you hit your fridge or your pantry or whatever. Like, what's your, like, go-to snack? Uh, probably some macadamia nuts. I, I have a... I always have a craving for macadamia nuts, so that's that's probably it. Okay. What movie have you probably rewatched more than any other movie? Uh, Shawshank Redemption. That's my wife's favorite movie. What is, call yourself out here, like, what's your worst habit, man? Oh man, uh, so many to choose from. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I do have some procrastination on some things sometimes. Um, that'll get me a little bit of trouble. Um, so I think that's that's probably my worst habit. Okay, name a TV game show that if you were on it, you feel like you could do really well. Maybe even potentially dominate. It could be a current game show. It could be something from the past, whatever. But a game show that you'd feel good on. Oh, any one of those trivia shows, Jeopardy or um, Win Ben Stein's Money, any of those kinds of things. I'm, I'm usually pretty good at those. Okay. Uh, last couple here. So you're on stage right now. Instead of doing this interview, we're, we're, at a, we're at a bar throwing back a couple, and there's karaoke going on, and I, I talk you into getting up there on the stage. And let's pretend you're an awesome singer. Let's pretend that you're not. don't really matter, but you're going to grab the mic. You're going to sing something that people in the crowd are going to start singing along to, whether it's something fast, something slow. What would be like, at least in your own mind anyway, your own signature karaoke song? I guess it depends on the crowd. Um, you know, if it's a little bit of an older crowd, you're probably doing some journey, like don't stop believing, um, you know, because that, that has broad appeal. Uh, if it's a younger crowd, you're probably doing something, trying to get everybody hype. I don't know. I'd, I'd do some rap just because it'd be funny to see me rapping. <laughs> All right. So I respect the work that you do. You've made a nice career for yourself. If But if you had never gotten involved in this business in any fashion or you gave it a shot and you just simply weren't any good at it. It wasn't working out, whatever. What do you see right now? Like something that you would have been doing with your life? Well, before I did this, I worked in the tech sector and sold my company. Um, so I would probably still be doing something in, uh, you know, in technology. Okay. 
Last two here. Give people a, a fun fact about yourself that maybe a lot of people don't know about you. Oh man. Um, I'm a really good tennis player, like really good tennis player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, like, yeah. Like it's, you know, um, terrible at golf. My dad was a real good golfer. I, I suck at golf. Um, no, really good tennis player. <laughs> That's really funny that you said that. And I'm not going to, I didn't spoil you with these questions. I didn't tell you ahead of time, but let's pretend you're not a terrible golfer. Let's just pretend you want to play anyway. Here's the last question. So if you were to go out there on a golf course right now and tee it up with any three people out there to complete, like what's going to be your ultimate foursome, whether it's just good golfers or just people that you really want to spend time with, you know, how golf is you go out there, you swing the club, have a drink or two, shoot the shit, have a good time. Like who are the other three people that would be like in your ultimate foursome? Like living or dead or have to be alive or, um, you know what? Let's do anything you want. They could be living or dead. Oh, it's it's uh, okay. Yeah. Living or dead. Uh, man. Um, Robert Downey Jr., okay. Buddha, and Hunter S. Thompson, because I, I feel like that foursome would absolutely be ridiculous. <laughs> Who would be the best golfer of the three? Uh, you know, probably the Buddha. He'd, he'd probably have patience. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Everyone, give Ben a follow on Twitter at Albright NFL. One of the best, one of the most respected out there. Thank you very much for your time. I always love having you on the podcast. I know you're busy, so whenever you can make time to do this one, man, I really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. All right, that was Benjamin Albright, NFL Insider. And before I let you go for today, I said at the top, I had a couple of things that I wanted to hit on. I guess I'm going to hit on this and I'm going to keep it really short and really sweet. And that's this. The Buffalo Sabres are fucking trash. Period, end of story. And you know what? One of my favorite things about having a podcast is this. I don't work for the Buffalo News. I don't work for WGR. I don't work for the athletic. I don't work for any TV station. I don't work for any radio station. Yes, they make better livings than I do. Yes, they have bigger platforms than I do. But you know what? They can't come out and say what I just said. This team is fucking garbage. Garbage. I hate them. I hate every single thing right now about the Buffalo Sabres. Everything. Ownership management, coaching, which is pathetic, the roster, everything. It is one thing to suck, okay? We all know what it's like to root for a team that sucks. Whether it's the Bills or the Sabres, we're very used to it as Buffalo sports fans, especially Sabres fans. This is going to be 10 years of not making the playoffs, but you know what? This year is the worst of all 10 of those. At least when they tanked, it was fun to watch. It was some drama. I look forward to watching these games. Not anymore. These games aren't fun. They suck the soul right out of you. Right out of you. You know, I don't know if I said it on this podcast or not last week, or maybe I said it on Twitter. Honestly, I can't remember. But I was really angry and upset. Not this past weekend, the weekend before. Because I gave up my afternoons, both days. Like many of you who are Sabres fans, you sacrifice your fucking weekends for this team. And it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Two weeks ago to play the Flyers, Saturday, Sunday afternoon games. I could have been doing anything else in this world. Now, again, I know most people are in Buffalo or that area. I'm down here in Florida. It's been nice on the weekends. I could have went fishing. Could have went to the beach. Could have went to a tiki bar. Could have went to my pool. You get the picture. I could have done any goddamn thing in the world I wanted to do. But what does my dumbass do? Watch the Buffalo Sabres. For six hours over the course of a weekend where they couldn't score literally one fucking goal. Not one. You don't even get one goal. Not a puck off somebody's head. Not off their skate. Not a fluke goal. Not a screenshot from the point. Not a goal. Shitty ass team can't score one goal. Not one. So whatever. I'm mad at myself. I said I ain't going to do this shit again. Then this past week comes. They have two games during the week. They play like shit and get their asses kicked twice in a row, which prompts, and this was funny, the Friday afternoon, 4.30 p.m., news dump presser from uh, Kevin Adams, the GM, finally comes out and speaks. Bunch of bullshit, talking about how he's sick of, you know, how he's angry, he's not happy, he's not satisfied, everything's being evaluated, 
lets everybody know that he has the authority, should he choose, to fire Ralph Kruger, which should have happened a long time ago. Hasn't happened, ain't going to happen. Not anytime soon. But anyway, blah, 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 blah. So we hear that. And then this past weekend, like the idiot that I am, I get sucked into the exact same thing. I got a buddy, not just a buddy. I got a cousin of mine who came down with some friends from Buffalo for the weekend, uh, a mini vacation slash birthday party for one of his friends. And he was about, I don't know, maybe an hour, 40 minutes away and kissing me, which I should have went to, but I didn't. And part of the reason, because I am just a glutton from punishment and a stupid idiot is I wanted to watch the Sabres again. I did it to myself again. It's not just Saturday, Saturday and Sunday afternoons. Again, the usual list of suspects of shit I could have been doing, drinking, eating, going to the bar, going to the pool, basically anything on the face of this earth. And I watched this team suck more life out of me. Saturday, they played good for one period. One period. In fact, this is no lie. It's a true story. They're up one nothing at the end of the first. My wife tells me that she needs to go to the store and grab a couple things. And I end up going with her because I could use a couple things myself. I come back as four to one. Just a disgrace. Then the next day, Sunday, they get down three nothing. It's it's another laugher. Yeah, they score two goals. They make it interesting, but ultimately they lose five two. So they've lost seven in a row. They're aimless. They're hopeless. They're gutless. They're spineless. There's no heart with this team. No fight. No nastiness. Except for Dylan Cousins, who got in a fight last week. Good for him. About time somebody did something. You know, it's just. It's a terrible team and they're not fun. There's no joy in being a Buffalo Sabres fan. Again, it's one thing to lose, but it's another thing to have zero joy. And one last thing too, and then I'm going to get out of here. This outro. So my intro and my interview for every episode is obviously fluid. Okay. I can't take those too early. When it comes to the outro, it's usually the first thing I tape. And that's because the method is always the same. I thank the guests who I had tell you where you can follow that person on social media, what they're up to. And then I ask you to subscribe to this page. I ask you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And I tell you that there's uh, original audio and video content coming to it soon, which at this point is a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> it is. There will be at some point, but I've been saying it for so long. You hear it. And, uh, okay. So I ask you to do that. I ask you to follow me on Twitter. And then I thank everybody for listening to the podcast and tell you, how much that means to me. All that's true, by the way. But anyway, and you'll hear that again in a minute. But that's the standard thing, and I do it every time. As long as I know who the guest is, I can take my outro way before anything else, save myself a little bit of time uh, when I'm putting this together. Anyway, today, Monday, I waited until the evening to do this outro for one reason and one reason only. Literally, it was this. I thought maybe, foolishly, idiotically, that there was a chance that the Buffalo Sabres were going to actually fire Ralph Kruger, or at least kick him upstairs or something on Monday. After the press conference from Kevin Adams, and then after two more embarrassing losses, I thought maybe Monday would be the day that they would fire Kruger. So I said, I'm going to wait. And if something goes down, I'll have something to talk about during this part of the podcast. Should have known better. Ain't shit happening. I'm not even sure, honestly, and I tweeted about this. I'm not sure Pagula even gives a shit at this point. I don't think he cares about anything when it comes to this team other than money. Right now, at least anyway. He ain't going to spend no more money. He's not going to bring in a new coach now. Maybe at the end of the season when fans are, you know, you got to do something to kind of get fans semi back into caring about this team. They'll do something. There's no benefit to Pagula for doing anything now. So I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. I was just dumb. But anyway, I am sick and tired of this team. They're terrible. You will continue to hear guests on here and they'll be far more objective than me when it comes to discussing the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, this is Talking Buffalo podcast. So I understand that there needs to be Sabres content and I'll try to be fair about it. Or at least I'll let my guests be fair about it. I won't because they're just an absolute abomination an abortion, just a disaster, a laughingstock, and an embarrassment of a professional sports franchise. All right, <laughs> I did get that off my chest. So now I'm good to go. And now I do want to thank my guest today, Benjamin Albright. Make sure you follow him on Twitter 
at Albright NFL. Like I said, I said at the beginning, I just said a few minutes ago, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do that right now. Rate and review all that fun stuff. Really helps me continue to grow this show. We do have a YouTube channel, Talking Buffalo Podcast on YouTube. I do put up highlight clips from current and past episodes. I do promise you original content that you won't find anywhere else except for there, not even this podcast. As of right now, that's a bunch of bullshit. But hopefully that will change soon. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. If you know me, <laughs> I'm telling you something that you already know. I'm always on Twitter, whether it's podcasting updates, promos, upcoming guests, sports talk, 80s talk, terrible music takes, you name it. I'm on Twitter all the time at Pat Moran Tweets. Thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. I mean it. And thank you for listening to that rant. If you're still hearing my words right now, that means you just listen to me bitch about the Sabres. And I really appreciate you just for that alone. But seriously, there's so many good shows out there and you're locked into this one. It really means a lot to me. Really does. Again, thank you. I'm very excited to be part of Blue Wire Pods going forward. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hang in there, folks. Subscribe. Tell your friends to subscribe. I will be back with a brand new episode on Friday. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.